You're early. We're actually not done setting up yet, but hang out for a second because there's something I actually wanted to bounce off of you before the show starts. Why is it that we depict ourselves sometimes as having like an angel and a devil on each of our shoulders? It's just this cartoony thing, but I think it really sticks around because we do have these negative and positive impulses and thoughts and feelings that we have to try to navigate. But why is that? Well, I think there's a clue in this TV. So right now there's not much going on. There's not actually even any power coming to the unit. But if I plug this little cord in the back end, it's like magic, right? But that magic actually didn't start here where I plugged in this cord. There's a power cord that goes all the way up here to an outlet. And that outlet is just the face of an electrical wire that goes through the wall, but it doesn't stop there. It's this entire network that brings this TV to life. This participation in the network is repeated everywhere. It's in ecosystems and cells. We ourselves are part of all kinds of networks like businesses and countries. There are networks providing us our food and education and lots of other stuff. So back now to the angel and the devil. These cartoons are actually our vague understanding of another network that we're all a part of. But this network is the one that allows us to think and to feel. talking about the network by which we receive the ability to live and think and feel. Mm. So just some light fare. My name is Curtis Childs and I'll be your host. With us as always, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hey, Curtis. And we find ourselves here trying to navigate uh, both a fundamental but yet bizarre idea in Swedenborg, which to him was this huge surprise that when he started having these extrasensory experiences that he is deeply immersed, as we all are, in this network that leads to the human experience of consciousness. Isn't that just a little too bizarre that we'd be part of some big spiritual web like that, right? It's severely bizarre because your experience <laughs> of yourself is the most private, most you thing is your thoughts and your feelings that happen in your inside yourself. So the idea that that's connecting to some vast network is really weird. But when you think about it, we feel like, well, this is my body, this, this is me. And yet when you, your body is made up of two parents, four grandparents, eight great grandparents, this whole, you, pretty soon you've got tens of thousands of people, all this genetic code woven yeah. together that results in you. Right, it's, it's chronological through time so you don't think about it, but we're in a big genetic network. No yeah. body could ever spring out by itself in isolation. No. There's networks in everything. You just think about the food we have to sustain ourselves. Well, that food is part of multiple networks. I mean, first of oh. all, you have this as an organism, this asparagus had to grow and in the current ecosystem absorbed from the sun, pollinators and all that, plus the history of organisms that came before allowing it to build and be what it is. But then there's the people that, that pick it and grow it and oh. ship it to us and get it to the grocery store. The whole distribution thing, yeah. Everything is in networks could we allow that consciousness is as well? Hmm. I mean, let, let's take a shot at it. The, what Swedenborg describes is complicated and tough to summarize, but we're gonna take that on and try to summarize it for you. Here's the basic picture of what he wrote. 
So this is a chart showing the life flowing out from God and into the human race. You see all those arrows moving out from the central position in the sun, the dots that are inside them. That's all a representation of the love and wisdom that constitute life radiating out from the divine. Mm. And those circles that you see with people in them at the top, they've got halos down at the bottom, they've got horns in between they're none of the above, but it's getting to be a darker shade as you go. Those represent different mindsets. Some are very close to God and in harmony with that. As they go down, they get farther and farther away from that divine life until it's actually turned upside down. And what was heaven at the top has now become a hell of evil and falsity. And that's us in the middle. We're not currently arranged in a way that we can receive life directly from God. You see, it's trying to come in, but it's bouncing out. So we have to be placed in this network in the right spot where there's associations that can get us this life in the forms that we can metabolize. And you see those individual figures there down at the bottom. They are individual spirits who are with us, but they represent larger groups in the network in either heaven or in hell. And you can see that there's both a good and an evil influence on our mind, represented by the head in the diagram, and there's a good and evil influence on our heart. So that leaves us in a point of choice in the middle, and this life is being channeled into us from both sides. So is this all just unnecessary complication? this network. What is this network doing for us? Would we be better to opt out of the network? First of all, well, Swedenborg says there's a couple of fairly important functions that it performs, right? Yeah, it's just, just that it keeps us alive <laughs> and it allows us to spiritually improve or what he calls regeneration. We can be reborn. Yeah, that there is in this both the sustenance of our life, but also the free will we talk about so much is a result of this network. Right, and the ability to be alive at any point of our free choice. Which we're gonna get into, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if everything else is part of a system, we talked about the, everything from f physical food to physical bodies to countries to everything, it's not too outlandish that our, our basic capacities could be part of a network as well. It's certainly a major part of what Swedenborg wants to convey to the world is that everything we think and feel actually flows in from other minds and hearts that we're connected with. He describes it here in Secrets of Heaven. The overarching rule for the spiritual world's influence on us is that we cannot think or will anything on our own. Everything flows in. Goodness and truth come from the Lord through heaven and therefore through the angels with us. Evil and falsity come from hell and therefore through the evil spirits with us. Ah, you see there, it goes from heaven to these particular angels who are with us or from hell through these particular evil spirits. Their influence is exerted on our thinking and our willing. And here we have a Swedenborg disclaimer. I know that this is true. And although it cannot help boggling the mind since it is contrary to appearances. Mm. Actual experience, however, must determine how the matter stands. Because hmm. it doesn't feel like there's angels and spirits all around us. No, it, it, we feel completely autonomous and like what happens in our thinking and feeling is just our own private little world and it doesn't really matter what's in there. Let nobody else can hear your thinking. And but then on the other hand, as we were mentioning, we have this angel and devil motif that comes up because there is a sense of why am I at war with myself? Why do I have these vastly differing yeah. impulses? And when you're faced with a choice, you sometimes go, oh, well, sort of a <laughs> bad thing to do would be yeah. this. That's kind of appealing, but yeah. I guess a good person would do that. My mom wouldn't want me to do that. So where 
does, what is that sun at the top there? Where, where does all this life energy originate anyway? Swedenborg writes, people, spirits, and angels absolutely do not have life on their own. So this would just be like the TV in the intro. It cannot generate electricity on its own. Huh. So they cannot think or will on their own since one's life consists in thinking and willing. Talking and doing, like we're doing right now, are a secondary kind of life. Interesting. There is only one life force, and that is the Lord's. Wow, how does that work? And so this is like, we are one, one love. This is radiating out from God to all of us. So we have a lot of questions, like what are the specifics of this network? What are they doing there? How does it help us? What, is this always how it was? I feel like we need to dig into this. We're gonna stop the show right now, but I think we should go a little farther. Is that all right? Yeah, sounds good. All right, let's get started. So we're gonna begin with how everything got to its current state, and we're gonna roll up into that, the basic distribution of life in the universe. So if you look behind me, this is a network of organisms here. We have this big web of relationships that we call an ecosystem where some things are trying to eat each other, some things are helping things decompose, some things are creating food for other things, but everything together in this series of relationships creates this state of almost stasis where there's an environment where everything can live. And we human beings depend, we're part of this network. We depend on ecosystems like this to get the air that we breathe, to get the water that we drink, to grow our food, to build the soil we grow our food in. So you have this network out in nature. And according to Swedenborg, everything that's happening physically is telling us something about how things work spiritually. So if you think about this ecosystem and what's powering it is the sun. Right? You've got this light and this heat radiating out across 93 million miles, hitting our planet, and that's the energy start for all the activity that you're seeing here. So that is a correspondence. That light and heat coming out of the sun is an image of how life comes out of God to everything that lives. The one life force flows into all of us, but we receive it in different ways, depending on what nature we have stamped on our soul by the way we live. Goodness and truth consequently turn into evil and falsity in bad people. But good people receive goodness as goodness and truth as truth. A comparison can be drawn with light, which flows from the sun into physical objects where it is modified. The form of the component parts changes the light in various ways, turning it into either gloomy or cheerful colors. It's all the same light coming out of the sun, but it can produce all these different shades. I mean, it's a lot of green back there, but there's brown too, and you know that there can be all kinds of objects looking like themselves, totally different in color, but they're all being illuminated by the same sun. It's because it's about how they receive that sunlight. They absorb certain rays, but don't absorb other ones, and that creates these distinctions that we see in color. But you could put that even farther and say that it's the very same light that's powering some kind of beneficial herb and then poison ivy right next to it. It's not in the sunlight what the plant is gonna take and then do, in this case from a human-centric perspective. It's in the quality of the organism receiving it. The whole time we are living in the world, we are shaping the most refined substances of our inward parts so that we can be said to be forming our soul or our character. This form determines how we receive the Lord's life which is the life of his love for the entire human race. So this reception of life is represented in this diagram by those little triangles or cones, and the direction that their opening is facing dictates what parts of the spiritual world they can receive life from. So those that are aligned in a hellish direction can only accept enough life to keep us going by interacting with hell at that level. Same thing with the heaven. That part of us is open to heaven in those degrees. 
And throughout our life, we're changing the way in which we receive this life, but the structure in us is what determines how we can interface and where we can plug into this network. But this system where life comes out of God to one group, to another group, down, up, to a spirit, to us, it wasn't always like that. Actually, things used to be a lot simpler. Everything was designed initially to be able to link directly with God. So it was just this radiation point from the center, from the divine, into everything directly and everything getting exactly the life it needed from that source. It was only after people started to turn away and change it so their receptors no longer accepted goodness and truth and love that we had to get this complex workaround. There is a general and a particular influence exerted by the Lord through the spiritual world on recipients of that influence in the natural world. The general influence is exerted on recipients that follow the code ordained for them. The particular influence is exerted on recipients that do not. Animals of every kind live by the code ordained by their nature, so a general influence is exerted on them. Their adherence to that code can be seen in the fact that they are born with everything they need. They do not need instruction in order to enter on their role. So this little roly-poly knows exactly how to be a roly-poly. It's in the order of its life, so it's born knowing how to get food, knowing how to hide, what it's supposed to do to have a roly-poly life. It doesn't have to learn because it's just already in the flow. We human beings, on the other hand, do not live by the code ordained for us, or by any law of that code, so a particular influence is exerted on us. That is, we have with us angels and spirits through whom the influence is exerted. If we did not, we would hurl ourselves into every kind of wickedness and quickly plunge headlong into the deepest hell. The spirits and angels bring us under the Lord's control and guidance. If we followed the code we were created to live by, we would love our neighbor as ourselves, and in fact, more than ourselves. This is what angels do. Instead, we love only ourselves and the world. We hate our fellow human beings, except to the extent that they encourage our domineering ways and give us worldly blessings. Since our lives go directly against the heavenly pattern, then, the Lord governs us through individual spirits and angels. So it's not your fault, it's not my fault. This is a consequence of the history of human choice and behavior going back generations and eons. But we are born not automatically, instinctively being kind to others, putting love first. We, we have a tendency to fall into self-centered things. And because of the, the underpinnings of that, we have to be in this alternate arrangement with the consciousness network to serve us where we are. So that's the, that's the basics of the story. But what I'm wondering about is the specifics of this network, the pieces that are in there. Why are they there? For example, why are there evil spirits in the whole picture? What, what function could they really be serving? You could compare it to social media, where in your news feed, let's say, you like this, you follow that, you block the other thing, and that shapes what you're getting over time. So here's how we could think about this. So as I say, at first, we liked this union with God's love for everyone. Life from God could flow through our pleasure and heavenly mutual love for other people. But little by little, we human beings lost interest in that highest kind of love. But God found a way to reach us through a love of spiritual truth. Like, okay, yeah, I'm interested in spiritual truth, but over time, people lost interest in that. Then God could work with just a pleasure in obeying ethical rules. Here are the principles, here's the code, live by this. Okay, there's a satisfaction in that. Then we devolved into just taking pleasure in earthly facts 
and pleasures, sensory things, and so on. And as these pleasures became darker and darker, the life force had to go through that evil part of the network in order to keep us in existence, although that naturally had bad side effects. So as we step down, then we start desiring to get whatever we crave. You know, we're just living from one craving to another, or as it goes down even farther, we want to dominate over others, hurt and torture them. Another analogy might be taking in nourishment. Some foods have let's say better nutrition, fewer side effects and so on. Others that come up from below like this bagel here uh, have more side effects. The problem is if we're repelled by this, and some people, some children, even some adults don't like vegetables as strange as it is to say and would rather eat this, well what are you going to do? You have to have something to eat to stay alive. Think how many people's lives are sustained by eating bagels, those who, who just can't, can't tolerate veggies and so on. When we're unregenerate, a lot of our sense of pleasure comes from our lower ego, from evil spirits. Here's Secrets of Heaven 5848. In order that the Lord's life can flow in and be received in exactly the way prescribed for us, we always have angels and spirits with us, angels from heaven and spirits from hell. I've been told that we each have two spirits and two angels. The reason there are spirits from hell, and this is the question we're looking at here, is that of ourselves we are always absorbed in evil. Uh Uh-oh. Because we're always absorbed in the pleasures of self-love and materialism. And they are profoundly pleasurable, aren't they, friends? To the extent that we're absorbed in evil or in those pleasures, angels from heaven cannot be present with us. So from our heredity, we all start out feeling the most pleasure in getting what we want. It's like a little kid who gets a present. And, oh, look at his excitement, you know? It's cute. And that that kind of self-centeredness is even cute. And so in childhood, there's an innocence that gives us a protection, and it's not as damaging to us. Uh, Angels are still able to be with us, even though we're quite self-centered and that's flowing in through our network. But when you get to adults, it's not so cute anymore, is it? Even though a lot of us go for that. In adulthood, we have to take the journey, we're invited to take the journey of going from pleasure that is self-centered to a pleasure in service, in doing for others, and that's a rebirth. While we're still in this process, the life force has to be able to get through us, through to us, through these mixed motives. Swedenborg even experienced that we couldn't stay alive for one second without that network that included both heaven and hell. He says this, the two spirits linked to us put us in contact with hell. These are the evil spirits. And the two angels put us in contact with heaven. If we were not in touch with heaven and hell, we could not live for even a second Deprived of the two kinds of communication, we would drop dead as a log because we would then be deprived of connection with the original source of existence, the Lord. This too was once demonstrated to me by experience, says Swedenborg. The spirits with me backed off a little, and as they did, I started to feel as though I was dying. I really would have died too if they had not been sent back to me. 
So it's all about maintaining some way for God's life to reach us no matter where we are, no matter how far we've drifted afield, some way to connect. And those two angels and two evil spirits are agents, they're proxies that link us into this much larger network. So let's look farther into what are the benefits of this network? Why is it set up the way that it is? Well, there's a couple things it gives us, it keeps us in freedom, but also allows for not just spiritual change, but sustainable and effective spiritual change. So let's begin talking about the free will issue, because it's a big deal. People chat about it. Swedenborg writes, the Lord working through angels could lead us to good aims by his almighty power, but to do so would be to rob us of life. So the, the freedom and the life are so intertwined that you can't just say, live like this and expect us to survive it. It is therefore an unbreakable law of God that we are to be free and that the seeds of goodness and truth or of neighborly love and faith are to be planted in the soil of our freedom, never in the soil of coercion, that, that you just can't, nothing can grow when there's not this freedom. What is accepted under pressure does not last. It vanishes. It's not that you couldn't get somebody to act a certain way under threat for a while, but it doesn't become a part of their soul. If we look at our network, this is why we're here in the middle of it. We're between these good and evil influences so that we're free to move in one direction or the other according to what we want. It's like we're balanced in the gravity there. So then when we choose something good, we are doing it at our own impetus or what feels like that, that is something that can grow and become a part of us. But it's not just good and evil. There's a, there's a, a sort of a different slant on it, which is we're choosing between deeper influences and surface influences. So for example, let's say that you are completely focused on what we would call a shallow or superficial things. It's all just narcissism and creature comforts. And that's, that's all you care about in life. Angelic life, what the angels are trying to do to raise us up, can't flow into that. So let's say that you had here an outlet where the angels are inviting you, hey, plug into heaven, become part of our network. And let's say that instead we're focused on, and this is not trying to create an international incident, we just wanted to show two different networks that couldn't interface. But if all we have to interface with is self-centered, uh, materialistic, hierarchical stuff, we just can't make that connection because the life that angels are offering us is only adapted to the deeper places inside of us. The Lord provides that spirits influence our thoughts and wishes, but that angels influence our ultimate goals and through our goals, the consequences that result. Angels also flow through good spirits into the good deeds we do and the religious truth we believe, using these to lead us away from evil and falsity as much as possible. Their influence is silent and imperceptible to us, but even though it is secret, it works. Angels' main role is to turn aside bad aims and inspire good ones, but to the extent they cannot do this, they withdraw and exert a relatively distant, remote influence. Evil spirits then move in. Angels cannot be present in bad aims or in self-love and materialism, but they remain present at a distance. So when would angels be unable to turn bad aims in a better direction? You think they're angels, they got all kinds of power, they can do whatever they want. Generally, yeah, except the time that they can't is when we're unwilling to turn 
in that direction because just like we read this free will is essential it's god wants it for us but it's also just a part of the mechanics of being alive you can't have something that is forced into you become a living part of you so angels know that and they only really can influence us in these deep quiet ways when we're willing to accept that influence and this leads us right into the second reason for the network that we were talking about sustainable effective spiritual change think about if you are suddenly pulled out of some kind of negative physical habit there's an addictive substance or just an unhealthy mode of life diet whatever we've gotten into sudden change like that just to rip it out leads to all sorts of withdrawal symptoms strong feelings of deprivation and pain and that increases our chance of saying no i i can't do this i'm not i'm gonna just give it up and go back to where i was and since the spiritual and the physical correspond swedenborg says removal from spiritual things just right away causes the same kind of problems He writes, as I said, the Lord working through angels could lead us to good aims by his almighty power, but we would then encounter such fierce pain and such awful hell that we could never endure it. We would have our life ripped from us in the most wretched way. So pretty intense. After all, our life consists of cravings and delusions opposed to what is good and true. No offense, but you think about how often we're in this ego-centered, self-centered lifestyle. You can't just uproot all that and think we're going to have two legs to stand on. If this life were not sustained by evil spirits and amending only in the process, it would be reduced to almost nothing. Or amended only in the process. We would not survive a split second. If we were not reduced to compliance with that plan in a temperate, gradual way by the redirection of our freedom, we would die at once. So just like with changes in physical habits, changes in the spiritual habits and associations and where we are in the network work better if the process is gradual. And so it's gotta be at a sustainable rate. So something we're gonna be able to say, I can keep going in this, I can keep doing this so that we can accomplish the goal rather than having the whole thing uh, fizzle out. We wouldn't be ready, and you shouldn't expect yourself to be ready to let go of everything negative at once. We have to gradually move so we have these new things that come into our life and we enjoy those and we spend time with those and we identify with those that's us slowly changing our connection and becoming open to these higher and higher societies in the grand network god knows that these processes are gradual and that's how god runs all of life so we've got all these associations and they help us climb and change but what are they actually like in our day-to-day life, and how many different kinds of connections do we really have? Well, it could play out something like this. Where'd you get those? From my dad. No way! That's awesome! Are we gonna go? No way, man. I don't want to go. We gotta sell them. I stole them. You sell them and we'll split the profits. You in? Yeah, I am. You have some? 
I got two. How much? 500 for both. 500? Uh, all right. 400. You got a deal. And you're under arrest for the illegal resale of tickets. Sit down, kid. You're making me nervous. So, what are you in here for, son? Scalping tickets. <laughs> ticket scalping. Uh-huh. Just uh, wait till you're back in here for playing hardball. Like me. Stealing cars. It's such a thrill. No, I'm not like that. Oh, come on, son. I know it when I see it. You remind me of me when I was young. Mayor, Mom's here. Hey, man. Ah, oh, suck the tickets didn't work out. Man. Yeah, that, that sucked. Glad your mom bailed you out, though. But hey, I got a plan that's sure to work this time. If you don't screw it up. No, man, I, I, I don't want to hear about it. What do you mean? I'm not... just not doing that stuff anymore. Whatever, man. Hey, man... Still friends, right? See you around. You're leaving? I mean, we could still hang out. No, man, can't. Come on. I feel like I've been beating my head against the wall. We have the same argument over and over again. There's nothing getting through. We're not interested. I'm Scott's friend from school. Is he home? You want to come to my house to hang out? (sighs) Yeah, I do. So let's unpack a little bit what we just saw. Swedenborg asserts that we are connected to these spirits in our thoughts and feelings all the time, which he calls unison spirits. He writes, while we're living in the world, we are in company with other spirits in regard to our inner depths and therefore in regard to our own spirit. We are so tightly linked to them that we cannot think or will anything unless we do so in unison with them. (laughs) It's just getting crazier and crazier. This puts our inner reaches in touch with the spiritual world, and it is the only way the Lord can lead us. So we have to have this sort of group of spiritual buddies that allow us to bridge this gap. So in the story that we just saw, our protagonist got overwhelmed by this urge to get some chocolate by whatever means. And according to Swedenborg, when we have something like that crop up in us, there is this network of associate spirits that are somehow in unison with those desires and those actions, whether they're doing the same kind of thing or corresponding things. We have a spiritual network working right in step with us. And this isn't just a mechanism that kicks in whenever we want to try to steal candy. 
This is something that is constantly operating. It's the means by which we plug into all of our negative and our positive impulses. This is all coming to us via this grand network. And so this, this is operating all the time into us. But we aren't always the same, right? We change. The kinds of things we do, the kinds of things we consider doing, our goals, our passions, those all evolve. And as we grow, we actually form different associations. So the spirits who used to be our unison spirits, our spiritual community, they no longer resemble us. So they're out and new ones come to take their place. And these are the ones that complete the picture and correspond to the way that we are. Swedenborg writes, the hells are divided up very precisely along the lines of evil desire in all its different varieties. So a person in whom evil is active never lacks like-minded spirits to call on and connect with. And again, this allowing us to survive because we have to have that company. And we saw this play out in the clip we just saw. So in our story, we had a spirit shadowing the main character. And this was one who was pressing towards the committing of theft. So it only got dispersed when our hero pushed back against the idea of theft. So what keeps us in bad company with spirits like this, it's the pleasures of self-centeredness and materialism, our two great nemeses, according to Swedenborg. When we make our life based in those things, the spirits like that actually get into control our thoughts and feelings. And when we pull those spirits in close, angels can't be around spirits like that. They have to exist on the periphery of our spiritual sphere of influence. So they have to withdraw and retreat as far as hellish spirits draw close or as far as we pull them in. As a protection, for us, because we do need to be in association with dangerous characters like these evil spirits for the network to function, God has arranged it so that although evil spirits can be participating in the same kind of evil that we are and maybe know like, oh, this, there's something around that's giving me the kind of evil pleasure I want, they don't know generally that they're linked up with us. They don't know, oh, this is this particular person with these characteristics, this is where they live. So that keeps them, because Swedenborg says, if they knew exactly where we were and what we were doing, they would try to destroy us. So there's a little bit of a buffer built in there. The Lord is constantly protecting us from that so we can get the benefits of the association for spiritual growth, but not have it be a threat to our life. So back to our skit, in contrast to the sort of blind impulse that the negative spirits are working through, to affect people, angels are very deliberately and consciously trying to direct things in a very delicate yet forceful way. They're really trying to get something done and they know the situation in a way that the evil spirits don't. This whole system that Swedenborg describes, God has designed this with a conflict of interest, that God wants to pull us towards heaven. Yeah, God is an active party in this thing. So it's not just sort of knock yourself out, you know, go to the table and pick out whatever you want. It, no, he's active within it to try to bring us upward to whatever level we're willing to go. Yeah, and because you have to operate through the network, this is where those angels that we mentioned before are really becoming the agents of the change God wants to bring about. Aha. Uh -huh. And you could say there's sort of two functions that the angels are doing. Yeah. One is guarding us, like protecting us from something more negative, and also to inspire us, to lift us up and lead us. And I want to just look at three quotes here where Swedenborg describes the nature of the operation oh, of the nice. angels on us. He says, the, the job of angels is to inspire neighborly love and faith. They also watch the direction our pleasures take, taming them and bending them toward good so far as our freedom allows them to. 
This reminds me of sort of like a parent-child interaction where the child wants something dangerous. They want to put their finger yeah. in a plug, you know, receptacle or something. <laughs> and you say, oh, well, look at little horsey. Do you want to play with little horsey? And, yeah. and try to, as much as your freedom will allow, to distract you and, and pull you away. No, I want the plug. They are not permitted to act violently, breaking our cravings and our assumptions, but must proceed gently. Which makes sense if you think about this thought network uh, in comparison with, you know, perhaps the genetic network we mentioned. Anything biological, you have to move slowly because there's so much complexity if you just like, okay, I'm going to move this up here, you, you're, you're not going to survive it. That's right. And it also helps explain why we don't feel it because they're pretty good at leaving us just feel like the kid just feels like, oh, horsey, great. You yeah. Know? Right, or like, I'm, I'm really driving this thing when really you're pushing it from the back. Yeah, that's right. He goes on, above all, angels call on the goodness and truth we harbor and use it to block the evil and falsity stirred up by evil spirits. Mm, it's so important to have some goodness and truth in there yeah. for them to use. Being in the middle, we are free to turn toward one or the other. Because evil wouldn't respect, they would try to envelop you completely, but angels are giving you this choice. Yeah, hostile takeover, that's right. These are the kinds of ways angels from the Lord lead and safeguard us. If they stopped for only a second, we would plunge headlong into evil, from which we could never again be led away. Wow, so we're sort of sitting here feeling like, I don't know, they don't seem to care about me, or I pray and nothing yeah. seems to happen. I don't know, my life is about the same as it was last week or last year. We have no idea how bad, we lack imagination <laughs> about how bad it could be and what we're being saved by, uh, uh, saved from yes. on a minute to minute basis. Well, it does sort of feel like you're neglected spiritually. If you start to believe in God and heaven and angels and you think, okay, I'm here, can, can my car please start? But it doesn't always happen that way it can feel like nobody's there, but to think that every moment there's this pressing up from what is trying to destroy us, to, and heaven is not only pushing back on that, but creating the exact conditions in which they can then lead us farther into what's good, it does make you feel a little more cared for. Yeah, and the car is a very small thing in that big picture. I, that's hard to believe, but I'll work on it. In doing this work, angels are motivated by love they receive from the Lord. Nothing gives them more pleasure and happiness than removing evil from us and leading us to heaven. So nice. And that's like we saw in the diagram, the life force flowing out from the Lord into the angels, that love flowing into the angels coming through to us. Yes. Because that's what the Lord wants to do and doing it through this network. Yeah, that's right. The Lord then takes utmost care of us constantly from the first rudiments of our life to its end and beyond to eternity. But hardly anyone believes it. Mm. That's amazing. That freedom clause is so strong that we hardly know what's going on. And even though there's this immense care going into every detail of our life that, yeah, the car doesn't start, but I'm gonna get you to eternal happiness, it's really hard to believe, but when we do believe it, there's this amazing peace that comes with it, and I've felt it in little spurts, not like it comes all the time, but that's where God's trying to bring us. So mm. I think this show, we were trying to get people to give that idea a chance, see if we can believe it a little bit more. All right, and my closing thought is that there's so much love in there to say, oh, well, if this is what you love, I'll give you this option, I'll send you life through this channel, but I'm gonna give you the option to upgrade too, and I'm gonna work through my other agents as hard as possible to get you as high as, as you're willing to go. It's awesome. All right, thanks so much for hanging out, and let's all go as high as we can together. So just like people have constructed this amazing network to make sure that this TV can get power and get it in the way that it needs it, God has constructed this consciousness network that makes sure life gets to us and that we have the full ability to choose how to receive and use that life.
To recap, life radiates out of God, like light and heat come out of the sun. Because of the current spiritual state of the human race, we can't accept that life directly, but life can still get to us because we're part of a network full of angels and spirits that are adapting that life into forms we can use. What it comes down to practically for our day-to-day life is that we are life receivers connected into this bigger network. And we can use our choices about how to live to improve our reception, accept good signals and reject bad ones, and as we progress, open up to more direct and better quality life.